J.M. and the A.M. Tuesday on this 26th of November, day number 28 in the month of Mar Cheshvan, the year 5780. And um, we're here in studio. If you uh, want to watch uh, today's conversation, and I recommend you do, it's facebook.com slash Nahum Siegel Network. Again, facebook.com slash Nahum Siegel Network. Uh, plus, of course, uh, all over our platforms, the Nahum Siegel Network app, NahumSiegel.com, our listen line. And about a million other varieties of ways you could access us these days. Uh, well, when I was uh, in conversation a few days ago with Dr. Mayor Abitan, and we were uh, discussing uh, some of our favorite things, music, heart health, nostalgia, um, he offered at some point during the conversation to actually show up live in studio here at JM and the AM, and I jumped at the opportunity, see the smile on my face, world, I jumped at the opportunity to take advantage of his offer, and I'm still in shock that he made it here this morning. I'm so happy you cannot imagine. Dr. Mayor Abitad, welcome to JM and the AM. Thank you. Thank you, Nachum. It's a, really, it's a pleasure to be here, and I jumped at the opportunity to come back and see my great old friend. I appreciate that, and uh, normally, as I said to you off the air, I would start with your bio and titles and all the distinguished uh, uh, things that you've done in your career medically, but I don't know. In this case, I figured I'd start by telling people how we know each other and why this is such a great day for me, uh, and hopefully for you as well. Uh, we met a long, long time ago, a long, long time ago, when both of us were dreamers as teenagers, right. and you were a dreamer who had a couple of things in mind. Certainly, medicine was a big, big dream of yours. I remember, in all seriousness, uh, the day that you were accepted to the medical program that you were so much hoping you'd be accepted to as a teen, and of course, <laughs> me, me not being the academic, had, had trouble appreciating it, but was very happy for you, I must say. <laughs> <laughs> and I, as you know, had this dream that you you went through with me of being some type of presenter, announcer, using my voice as a teenager to just, you know, we, and we used to have fun with that, et cetera. Uh, and, of course, thank God, uh, we both ended up um, uh, having a good portion of our dreams come true with the different things that we've pursued over the years. Right, so we know each other a long time. Plus, 30 years ago this month, 30 years ago this month, you sang... Kishoshana, when Stacy Siegel walked down the aisle. I don't know if you remember that wow. day. Wow, I remember the day. That's a long, I didn't realize it was 30 years. 30 years this month. Imagine that, huh? So we go way back, to say the least. And many of you, of course, who are fans of Jewish music are very familiar with the name uh, Mayor Abitan, who still, once in a while, right, once in a while, can be asked at a chuppah or at a... Uh, or at a simcha to, to get up and, and do a little ditty, right? Yeah, for, for sure, anytime. <laughs> and there are recordings, of course, that have Mayer on it. Uh, but you, you've you spent the bulk of your time, you've told me the last 26 years or so, mm -hmm. uh, doing specific heart health medicine, uh, helping people uh, who've uh, experienced either heart episodes or might be afraid that one day they might experience a heart episode, uh, deal with their medical situation. And all this training and all this experience you have has now gotten you to the top of the industry. What were you telling me? What position are you in Lenox Hill now, is it? So I'm at St. Francis St. Francis. I don't know why I said Lenox Hill. <laughs> I'm now vice chairman of cardiology. At vice Saint chairman cardiology, St. Francis Hospital. And that's located? In Roslyn, New York. Wow. Roslyn, Long Island. Right. And it takes a while to get to that position, right? It takes a few years. 
takes a number of years. It takes a number of years to get to this position also. <laughs> well, thank you. <laughs> and what is, in fact, the, the, the ladder of success? What does it look like? You start, what, in, in private practice? You start associated with a hospital. What were the early parts of your career like? Look, the, the early parts are going through med school, studying, staying up all night, taking call, uh, going through internship, residency, fellowship, <sighs> yeah, starting off working for people and, and, and you know, being a slave. <laughs> <laughs> Taking every shift they ask. Right. Huh? And, uh, and really, it's, it's not really work because if you enjoy what you're doing right. you're never going to work right you haven't worked it in your right. life right it's amazing but yet some of your days could last 48 hours okay. clearly all right but right. you know what when you're dealing with people and when you're enjoying what you're doing and you feel the you feel the the the, the appreciation from people and you feel that you've really changed something and done something positive for the world and that that person in front of you right you you don't feel the fatigue. The young person in medicine today goes mm-hmm. through the same thing. It's the same type of schedule. Same schedule. And I, I, I don't know. One might think that you know somebody who's on very limited sleep would be very limited in what they could do to help people. That's not the case. Well, it's not the case for, for multiple reasons. In our training, you were allowed to be up for 48 hours, 72 hours. You could just keep on going. But uh, now they have rules of, uh, I think it's 24 hours on and 24 hours off. Mm -hmm. I think you're not supposed to, most of the shifts are 12 hours. I don't remember, I don't know the exact numbers. What was the benefit of making people stay up 72 hours? What was the, what was the thinking then? I think, you know, we always used to say the the best child abusers are those who were abused as children. (laughs) So because they went through it. Right, they went through it, we had to go through it. And then they realized that there was a fatigue aspect and people were not making the right decisions at 36 hours. Right. Those, those are really the rotations. Was, they were 36-hour right. rotations. And at that point, they changed it, I think, to, to maximum 24 hours. But you had to sleep. I think that you have to sleep eight hours. I have to ask my children. I right. have two children who are now doctors. So. They're much more familiar with, right. the, new, with the new stuff. Uh, Dr. Mayor Abitan is here. So at what point in your career does that sort of drift away and you get into a regular schedule is it many many years down the road so you never get into a regular right, schedule because you're always on call right. and, and there's stuff in the middle of the night i get that right but it, things must be different schedule wise today than they used to be sure sure you're not you're uh, you're not being told by everybody where to be and what to do right and i everyone's everyone's life is different as a physician so my mine is that i i go to an office from nine to five i see patients I take one day off a week where I just operate, and most evenings I operate. So I'll go in and do angiograms, stents, uh, rotobladers, rotorooters, whatever, on people's arteries. And uh, Tuesday is, is heaven. Where I just operate from morning to night. Which you enjoy. Which I enjoy. I enjoy. And is it possible to, I mean, this is really putting you on the spot, but I'm so curious. Mm. Is it possible to run an effective, observant Jewish family? When you're on that type of schedule and they rarely see you day and night? It is. It is because it's a, it's a um, number one, it's, it depends on who is your family, who you've married. It's a mission. Right. And it's a mission. Which you they do, buy into. Which they buy into right. and you do together. And so um, I'm blessed that my, my wife, Debbie, not only understands what 
I do, but I, sh- I should say what we do, because right. she now works in my office. Oh, wow. That's cool. So she's there all day. She's meeting the patients, many of the patients, and I, I don't even like the word patients. They're my friends, and they've become our friends, and they interact with the office and with Debbie, and it's, it's become a beautiful thing. And some of them are telling her that you saved their lives, right, which is pretty cool to hear, right? Right. Which is amazing. Uh, Dr. Mayor Abitan is here. And what prompted this this visit is that, I mean, I think anybody out there who's familiar with, you know, maintaining heart health is essentially familiar with two areas. Number one, um, if people pay careful attention to what they eat, to how they live, uh, to what they do and don't do with their body, to the way they exert or don't exert the body, they, 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 then they're basically familiar with you know, what in that category has to be done to maintain heart health. Mm -hmm. I don't know if the majority of people don't follow it. I don't know if it's the majority of people in our community who don't follow it. I don't don't know. But I do know that there are some people who pay very careful attention to those types of things. Um, And that's one aspect of it. The other aspect of it is that if something does go wrong or if someone is suffering some type of heart disease, then people like you step in. And they may recommend, you know, a regimen of medication that might help the heart disease. There may be an episode where you have to go in and, as you just said, clear out an artery or put in a stent, et cetera. And it sounds like, based on your this intro here, it sounds like you're doing a lot of that. Like it's still there's still plenty of stents, plenty of clearing out arteries, et cetera, going on. Right? Right. Okay. And one of the first things I remember from years ago was that these stents and the general exploration of the heart switched from uh from what however was being done to the to the wrist right that was a big deal when you started and how long ago was that that all these all these procedures started about 15 years 15 years ago and that was i mean that's an incredible development that you're able to go in through someone's wrist get to their heart well tell me what happens you go in with what and and what happens you you take a small little catheter you insert it into the the wrist right over here in the radial artery and there's a catheter that goes right up to the heart little tube as a catheter, through that tube, we take pictures, and through those pictures, I can even show you. And there were pictures and cameras even 15 years ago? Sure. That's when it started? Sure. Amazing, I'll tell you. Sure, and then, you know, we can hear. There's a gentleman who's walking up the hill, actually going to Mincha and Shabbos, and <laughs> had a little chest discomfort. Can you pick this up on the camera, Yoni? And if you look here. Hard to get, hard no, to get there? can't. Okay, but there's a little here. Well, I'm looking at it. Oh, there's a block. Oh, a regular guy like me could actually see a blockage. There is a blockage. Would it's you, supposed you, to be black and come, come all the way right. through. The, 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 uh, the contrast makes the, uh, the blood look like you know, this black tube. And then. And what do you consider that? What percentage block do you oh, consider? Oh, this is, this is 90, 95%. And then here, through, we put a teeny little wire, 14 thousandths of an inch. Through that, a balloon and a stent, which is a coil that's mounted right. on, and I'll show you what that looks like, mounted on the balloon, and then voila, open. Totally clear. Before and after. Unbelievable. <laughs> and how long does that procedure take? This procedure takes about a half hour to 45 minutes now. It used to take many more uh, hours. Now, when, <laughs> when the patient is there yeah, and you, dis- and you discover this, and I would assume you tell the patient you know, you have a blocked artery, and then they go ahead and ask you what percentage blocked because you know the general person knows that you know, just from the cursory uh, knowledge about the heart, you know, we know that there's mm-hmm. a, you know, that that's a dramatic thing. You know, what percentage? Would you tell them ninety nine percent? Would you sure. say that? you'd say that? To no, them. look, you're, you're truthful. You're telling people, and but you you it depends how you cushion it. 
you know, you have to be nice. And and ninety nine percent means that the person is just completely lucky. And We're I, on the brink. But I know, I know that. But I don't know. It seems to me I've heard too many of these ninety nine percent stories. Am I just? Is, is, is have you seen thirty percent? Have you seen? Sure. Have you seen seventy percent every day? You. See, so why do I always think that whenever someone tells me a story like this, the story is always 99%? They like telling you the 90, 99% stories. Listen, most people are not 99%. Most people are 80 to 90, 80 to 95%. But why doesn't it? And believe me, I'm thankful, as I'm sure many others are, to God that it doesn't reach 100. But why mm-hmm. is it that so many of them are in 90s? Like, does it stop at a oh, certain point? Does no, it- no. Of course, there's there's a major reason. Because we all live in denial. We don't realize our symptoms. The symptoms are subtle. People are short of breath when they walk uphill. Had a gentleman from Israel come in maybe uh, five days before Yom Kippur. He says to me, oh, I said, why are you here? He says, oh, you know, my daddy, he have a, he have a heart attack at 65. I said, oh, okay. And he goes, my brother, he had bypass 62. I said, okay. And he goes, my younger brother, 55, had a heart attack in stent. I said, oh, wow, so uh, why are you here? He says, I'm 58. I feel like sandwich. <laughs> I said, okay, uh, are you having chest pain, shortness of breath? No, 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 short, I'm a little fat, I'm short of breath, I walk upstairs. I said, I said okay, so uh, I listened to him. I didn't really think he had anything. Right. And he was really... He looked, minim- he, he looked was, healthy. He looked okay, he looked healthy. He was really minimizing the whole thing. He had a stress test. It was very abnormal. He had an angiogram. He had a 90% blockage. He saved his own life out of the fear that he may also suffer from the same disease that his family suffers. So now you've answered my question. The reason so many were in the 90s is because people wait until, quote, unquote, the last minute. Right. Two weeks later, I call him. How are you doing? He says, oh, I'm feeling good. He goes, you know what? I said, what? He said, I'm not short of breath anymore with the stairs. I said, wow. He says, yes, and I'm still fat. <laughs> <laughs> he was. Pe- we blame our symptoms based on what we think may be causing them. Right. I'm overweight. I'm old. Family, I'm older. family history. We forget about family history. Mm. We're short of breath because we're a little, we, we're, right. we're a little overweight and we're, uh, we don't exercise. I don't go to the gym, so I'm short of breath. So when you were saying earlier, yeah, you know what I enjoy doing. Yeah, I enjoy helping and fixing people. But I, my major enjoyment is prevention, teaching people what to do. So eat properly, but most important, exercise. Thirty minutes a day. Walk. The American Heart Association, the American College of Cardiology says two and a half hours a week. Do some type of aerobic exercise. You're supposed to get your heart rate up to 110, 120. Okay, but just start. Do something. And, and all that can reverse things or prevent things? How would you classify Prevention it? for sure. It There are a lot of other things as well. Body mass index less than 25, meaning, you know, having somewhat of a, a svelte look, you know, not, not too heavy. Right. Um, a balanced diet. You don't have to, you don't have to abstain totally from meat and fatty foods, but something in balance. Within the reason. Rambam says the shvil hazav, you know, right. you have to be somewhere in the middle, within reason. And um, watching 40% of us are either diabetic or pre-diabetic now, so you have but to for watch. for the same reasons. Same reason. We're eating too much sugar. 
You know, we should be a little bit less on sugar, starch, cake, cookies, candy, bread, pasta, potatoes, Shabbos, Yontif. Wow, it sounds like you <laughs> memorized that list. <laughs> just flew out of my head, doesn't it? I can imagine. Dr. Mayor Abitan is here. And now the real reason that you're here today is because um, somebody like yourself, who has always been at the forefront of all these procedures that we just described, stent, balloons, and all the other stuff that you're, you're an expert at, uh, you claim that now when someone walks into your office and there is a, and there's a, and there's a problem, there's an obvious problem, uh, an obvious problem that almost immediately would have gotten them onto the operating table, right? A problem that would have gotten them a procedure from you and your staff. Mm-hmm. Now you might take a breath and say, you know what? We're going to try a different strategy with you, uh, Mr. Patient. And what is that? That is that last uh, Shabbos on Saturday at the American Heart Association meeting, there was a breaking trial. It's called ischemia, the International Study of Comparative Health Effectiveness with Medical and Invasive Approaches, blah, blah, blah. Wow. Ischemia means lack of blood supply. They, they took the, the acronym it's lack of blood supply or a decrease in blood supply to the heart, that's muscle. A, that's the, that's, that's the what blockage. the word means. That's yes. blockage, right? It's yeah. blockage. So it was a very interesting trial. It's, it, uh, it was a trial of over 5,000 people, 2,500 in each group, and every single patient had an abnormal stress test, a significantly abnormal stress test. Half were put into the invasive arm, the traditional let's do an angiogram, let's look for a blockage, and let's fix it. Okay, and half went into the arm of let's try to be very aggressive about medical therapy and let's see what happens. Which means exercise and the way you eat. Exercise, and also maximal medical therapy. So these people Maybe. had to be on a lot of statins, the Lipitor, Crestor type drugs that lower cholesterol dramatically. They had to be on beta blockers, which slow the heart. Oh, wow. They had to be on nitrates, which dilate the heart. All of these medicines have some side effects as well, but maximal medical therapy, low blood pressure, low heart rate, things like that. And they were looking to see how the patients did. Now, just a caveat, which I'll, I, I, I probably will get to a little later, is that there were exclusions. And that's what weakens the study a little bit. But you have to exclude. You're dealing with human beings. Right. So the exclusion was if they had a significant, during the angiogram, oh no, well, if they had... Uh, during their studies, we were able to figure out that they had critical left main, a greater than 50% main artery, okay, if they uh, had a previous bypass or a previous stent in the last six months to a year, if they had uh, if they, the, the sicker patients, if they had a weaker heart muscle, they were excluded from the trial immediately. Got it. So what ends up happening is those people were never even thrown into the pot. So it's very hard to say that every person walking in fits into the trial. Right. You have to fit the person in. Mm-hmm. But for those people who fit in, they were able to show a non-inferior comparison of medical therapy to stent, meaning the people did not necessarily live longer or do that much better if they had the intervention or if they were treated medically. Wouldn't one then conclude that if, they're, if it's that close, right? Mm-hmm. If it, and essentially it sounds like it's pretty close. Isn't it just easier to do the stent or to you know give them whatever procedures necessary to get them back on their feet? So that is that is now there's a lot of debate over this. The reality is that most people would not need stents, would not have blockages 
if they would go to the gym an hour a day and they would eat properly and watch their blood pressure and make sure their blood sugar is okay and do all the right things of be of maintaining but a now, healthier but, life. But now in this study, you're asking people who've already experienced the symptoms to do it. People who have this this what you would call questionable stress test. To Correct. Do. And in a study type environment, it's a test tube laboratory right. environment. People will do it. The question is, will people do it on the street? Right. No, I hear that. But, but but also what you're saying is that if both these groups end up, let's say for argument's sake, both mm-hmm. these groups end up equally, medically, medically equal. Right. For argument's sake. You know, the stent people doing great a year later, the, the exercise diet people doing great a year later. Then obviously what we, since, since we don't walk around with, with, with stent capability for ourselves. Right. But we do control what we eat, one would hope. We control what we eat what kind of exercise we get and how active we are. Hey, folks, you know, here's an entire group of people just like the stent people who are now doing great. But but look, if, if this, they would have done this 20 years ago consist- consistently and maintained it, they never would have had this abnormal. They likely would not have had this abnormal stress. Test. Right. So that that's the way the media is spinning it. The problem it is— It sounds like a good way to spin it's, it. It's a great way to spin it. The problem is that— um, that it's a it's a bit of a spin. What happens is the these people have blockage. Right. They have blockage that's potential for causing a heart right. attack. And you're still saying use that road right. of, of and, diet and nutrition. And these people now need very frequent monitoring. Right. So unlike the guy who has the one blockage gets stented, we know they're okay, etc. Now we have another problem. We have a problem here is how often do you have to watch them? And right. in fact, the curves started to separate at four years. So. You're great for the first four years if you're aggressive about it, but then the stent people start to take off and become better after four years. So there's a lot of analysis here. What's nice about this is it gives us an option when we can, and this most important point, I must tell you, we have a lot of listeners right now, the person must be rendered asymptomatic. Right. A person must be able to not have his symptoms to be in this study. Right. And the medical arm, if they still have symptoms, they must go to for their intervention. You know, I, I'm forgetting. We're just here, you know, bantering, joking around, two friends. But there are people listening. Yeah. If a person's not feeling well, please go back to your doctor. Go back to your cardiologist. Do the procedure, please, because it's important. And there's an additional thing you're saying. Mm-hmm. If you do take this route under medical supervision and you drastically, you know, change the way the way you go about your day, let's put it that way, diet, nutrition, fitness, etc. Nonetheless, you must go to your doctor regularly. You at- you must make sure every I don't know what you would recommend every 3 months, 6 months, whatever it is, you must be at that doctor and at least get the vitals, you know, analyzed to see if you're doing all right or not. Correct. And in fact, more so if you're on the medical arm. Right. That, right. That's my point. Right? Yeah, absolutely. That's my point. Absolutely. You know, what's nice about what this trial helped somebody last week. Right. Because usually a person would show up to a hospital as an 84, 85-year-old gentleman did to a week and a half ago, presents to the hospital in congestive heart failure, weak heart muscle, catheterization, horrible blockage, tight valve. The man is begging me he wants to walk down the aisle of his granddaughter's wedding five days from now. He needs bypass surgery and a valve operation. It's going to put him out of commission in the hospital at least seven to ten days. He'll be out of commission for six to eight weeks to recover. What do you do? Well, when you analyze the data, his arteries were not acting up. His arteries were stable. It was all about the valve. The next day, we put a valve in from the leg. 
He left the hospital, Erev Shabbos. He walked down the aisle. <laughs> I videoed him walking down the aisle <laughs> at his granddaughter's wedding. I danced with him at the wedding four days <laughs> after the operation. Unbelievable. Because we didn't have to fix the arteries. The arteries were unfixable with stents. They would need bypass. Right. But he didn't need it because we have data to support us. So this is important data for the physician to help the individual, and now we can provide personal care, personalized medicine. Right. It's about your situation, not just what we do for every situation that comes in. Right, understood. Um, and, and, and again, you would say that is a new development. That yes. Is a, it the, did not always work this way, because I... I I would always suspect that this type of direction was always taken, meaning that you know you'd make a a judgment with your physician, you know how to how to proceed, medicine again, fitness diet, etc. Um, but what you're saying is that 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 um, um, strategy was way by the wayside compared to get in there, clear everything out first, meaning surgically, and then we'll deal with you know, how one recovers from all of this and what they need to do further. Medical therapy was a preventative strategy. Right. It's now become a therapeutic option. That's the difference. Even when one is sick. Even when one is sick. That's the difference. As long as because the medicines... Who have actual real symptoms. Because the... That normally would have gotten them into the operating room. Yes, because the medicines today are so much better than the medicines of 20 years ago. And the medicines of today can now take away the symptoms. Again, reiterating, the symptoms must go away. If the symptoms are still there, do the angiogram, do the stent, do everything you need to do, follow the advice of your cardiologist. All right, cool. I think we've gotten to the core of this issue, and that is that when the the medical um, uh, evidence shows there is a problem, Mm -hmm. very often, if not always, the person would end up in the operating room. Right. Now there are options. Now you can analyze with your physician all the numbers and data and all the situations regarding your own personal valves and arteries and make an evaluation of how to do it, especially, as you just said, with the advanced medicine in 2020 that we now have. Right. Correct. Woo! I, I never was able to make it through ninth grade bio, but I made it through this, Abitad. I'll tell you, I have an opening, by the way, right after we can speak about that. Uh, unbelievable. Now, you know that that it's funny hearing you speak about all this because your favorite thing is to do surgery. A favorite. I should be careful how I say that. One of the things you like most because it helps people immediately get back on their feet is to do surgical procedures. In fact, at the beginning of this conversation, you said, you know, one of your one of the things you love about Tuesdays is you're in surgery all day. Right. So uh, listen, th- I enjoy this, the this talent. This might lessen the number of surgeries That's you're doing. That's great. I enjoy it. You know, I enjoy fixing when it needs to be fixed. I most enjoy seeing that man walk down the aisle. Right. In other words, it's Which the outcome. Possible. It's the outcome. Right. It's, it's seeing a person living his life. It's seeing that person uh, affect all the people that are that 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 need them. Right. And it's a it's a mission. It's it's enjoyable. Understood. You showed me on your phone earlier what looked like a um, what looked like literally. Uh, the view of what the camera has when they're in someone's artery. Would that be the, the way of putting it? <laughs> so we have a new technology. It's called OCT. In fact, St. Francis Hospital is is literally a world leader in this technology. And it's it's a when we do procedures now, an angiogram is not just an angiogram anymore. An angiogram is 
a high-tech environment where you take a picture and you start off seeing the picture like I showed you before of the tubes, but then you put in this small half-a-millimeter camera. And let me show you what you see here. This is a stent that I placed in a patient's arteries. And what, you're, what, what, we are driving through the stent. What looks like string or coil. Yeah, the coil. Is the and, and, and ah, someone's and you're get, calling and me. And you're getting a call. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> it's not an emergency. No, no, it's my brother Chaim. Hi, Chaim. <laughs> Unbelievable. And you're driving through a fixed artery, and we're checking, we're checking that the stent has perfect apposition on the walls. It's very important to know at the conclusion of a procedure that you've been successful technically. How, uh, how much of a space is that stent creating? That stent, that particular one was three millimeters in diameter. That's we do, a, that's... we could do it as small as two millimeters, and if you look carefully, this is what... The analysis looks like. So we can see the length of the stent. We could see the type of tissue that's in the in the periphery. Is it calcified? Is it fibrotic? Is two, it lipid? And all these things are treated differently. Two, oh, depending on what it, uh, on the condition of the wall. Correct. If we see this big nodule, this rock coming out of the side, you can balloon that as much as you want, and you think you got away with it. That person's not going to do well. You know you have to shave. So what we shave it down with a rotor rooter type diamond tip burr that you burr. There are multiple ways of opening up arteries. We now design the therapy live based on a picture that takes about 30 seconds to take. Unbelievable. It's amazing. Was it's, all this technology developed in Israel or not necessarily? A lot of it was. Seriously? This was. This was. This We, we had Israelis running around the lab <laughs> for about six months. It was a lot of fun. <laughs> it's America's <laughs> one and only Jewish Moments in the Morning Radio program heard on listener-sponsored digital radio around the world, the web, at NachumSegal.com, and the NachumSegal Network, and, of course, in the beloved NSN app. Dr. Mayor Abitan is here. We're talking about heart health on this Tuesday morning at JM in the AM. He is the, he is the, what's the title again? The chief. Malcolm Siegel's friend. <laughs> the chief cardiology. Uh, yeah, vice chairman of cardiology. Is, vice, vice chairman of cardiology at St. Francis Hospital, uh, which apparently uh, is not in New York City. You can be a leader in heart health without being on the island of Manhattan, huh? How do you like that? You're on the island of Long, exactly. <laughs> Long Island. And doing pretty well out there, Baruch Hashem. Baruch Hashem. Uh, all right, and now we get to the most important, the final and most important part of this conversation, and that is that uh, you you would agree, I think you'd agree, maybe not. You see a lot of patients. You see representatives of every community out there. Um, is it mythical for me to think that our community suffers from these types of symptoms, heart disease, uh, in, inappropriate eating, a lack of fitness more than other communities? Or you would say, you know what, Nahum, I, I've seen it all, and every community is well represented. <laughs> I hear where you're coming from, you know, when it comes to... Uh, Our people? Yeah, Kiddushim, weddings, <laughs> smorgasbord. Shavar brachas. Oh, yeah, baruch Hashem. I mean, people but, make a big deal about Thanksgiving. That's once a year. Yeah. We're doing it like three times a week. <laughs> it's It's universal. It is universal. It's everyone. Every background, the same, the same laziness, and try to take right. care of themselves that we have. But same you know what? I, I think I think a person like you, yeah. and 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 myself, I think we have an opportunity to educate our people, so that the next time we have this conversation, we'll be saying, and the world may be saying, "Wow, you know, for some reason, 
the the Jewish people have a lot less wow. than the rest of the world. Their BMI is improved. Yeah, their <laughs> blood pressure is better controlled. They're eating more properly. Why? Because they've been educated. This is all education. I'm amazed on brilliant lawyers, religious Jewish, brilliant lawyers, Real brilliant academics, brilliant academics right. engineers, walks of all life that do not know the basics of why they developed the blockage, why something has happened, why they should be a little bit more concerned because their daddy had a heart attack at 50. Right. Or, or you know, somebody had a bypass at a young age. Right. It's education. I, I think, I have all well, the education angle, you're 100% right. I think sometimes it's hard for human beings, I don't know if this is exclusive for our community, but hard for human beings to understand the benefits down the road when they're going through a daily routine of watching what they eat, of hopefully exercising, or as you recommended, you know, uh, incorporating walking and some type of movement into their daily mm-hmm. schedule. I think that, you know, sometimes when you walk into an office and they say, okay, you got a problem, and in 18 hours it's going to be fixed because tomorrow morning we're unblocking it, you know, that, that's... We're, we're in a Starbucks, you know, right. environment. You drive in, you get your coffee, you leave. You drive in, you get your stent, you go home the same day now. <laughs> I know, it's unbelievable. Right. The, um, yeah, I tell you, it's... That may be the worst part of it, that the, the, the service in your industry has become so great <laughs> that people are, like, indifferent when it comes right. to the months and years that it takes to take care of themselves. You but know, nothing, just remember, and I, th- I think about this every day. We could flip back our car out, our car lease every three years. You know, whatever we want to do, we can change our apartments, our homes. We are given one body for this beautiful neshama, right? And that body has to serve that neshama through its life. And if we're smart enough, if someone could educate person at 20 to start educating to start exercising start getting into the 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 uh, frame of mind frame of mind of protecting this one body right we'll all live much much longer and right. much healthier and much happier we, lives we, when we're 70 80 90 and beyond we often treat others better than we treat ourselves oh absolutely. we treat our children better than mm-hmm. we treat ourselves we may treat friends and acquaintances better than we treat ourselves right and we don't make ourselves a priority. Right. And here you need to, it's, it's, a, it's a half hour a day. Right. Give yourself and, and, a half hour a day. And being a little more thoughtful about what goes into your mouth. Right. Right. And you're not telling anybody not to eat anything. You're just saying do it with seichel. Correct. Right. Wow. This is why you showed up, to give me Muster on the air? <laughs> I, I showed up to, to give a hug to my old friend from Base Brynin in Yeshivat Karabiyah. You remember where that, we huh? sang together. It was beautiful. I'm telling you. That's, beautiful what, that's what we dreamt. The two of us dreamt. And thank God, like I say, a good part of our dreams came true. Dr. Mayor Abitan, everybody. Uh, today, officially here, because uh, this amazing study, which does encourage everybody, uh, both in the medical world and as patients, to take a very, very close look at symptoms and the don't always conclude that the best thing to do is go into the operating room. There are options, especially with the medicine of today, to, um, uh, to deal with uh, heart symptoms and to improve heart health uh, drastically, simply with uh, exercise, proper diet, and medication. Could be something you want to bring up with your own doctor. And, of course, the second reason he's here is to encourage me and everybody else to incorporate these types of things into our daily lives and not, and not wait for these symptoms to show up. Because if, in fact... A little bit more movement and seichel the way we eat and uh, and uh, fitness and attention in general is paid to our bodies. Uh, we will be uh, in much better shape, quote-unquote, right. down the road. And there you go. 
And that's the message of today. Thank you, Nacho. And I thank you very much. And it's fascinating what you, it's fascinating what you're able to do these days. Can you do surgery from your phone, or you're not up to that level yet? Not quite, but although I have did, you seen robotic I, surgery? Being I was done? able to do a robotic stent off of a laptop once, not on a human being, but on a model, and it can be done. And we have robotic operating rooms now where instead of the doctor remaining in the environment of all the radiation, they can actually go into a side room, watch the patient, but control a robot. I, I still I like the tactile feel. You feel the heart beating when you're actually placing the stent. And uh, I, I think it's nice. You know, it's protecting the doctor who's doing thousands of procedures and being radiated all the time. There are better ways. There are other ways of protecting the physician. I, I think the physician is supposed to be in in touch in contact with the patient. Are you the only doctor in the room for a stent procedure, or are there other people at your no, same level? Pretty much the only doctor. The the we we do very complex procedures at St. Francis. So when we do we do procedures that normally need surgery, or where where many people are are uh, transported to us from other institutions where where they're not given an option. And um, and in those cases, we do sometimes two physician, where there are two people. And, and those surgeries could last how long? Are they not three hours? So you're not doing nine hour surgeries at any point. No, no, no. Unbelievable. The whole thing is incredible. Continued Hatzlacha. You too. And oh, and by the way, we should mention that you are, are occasionally a rabbinic leader of uh, which congregation in Long Beach? Uh, B'nai Asher, they call it now. B'nai my, Asher? After my father, yeah. So B'nai Asher, the congregation they of could Long find Beach. you there about, what would you say, five to ten times a year in that, yeah. in that area? Yeah, uh, Rosh Hashanah Yom Kippur for sure. <laughs> Rosh Hashanah Yom Kippur for sure. So Long Beach people. Or I should say Rosh Hashanah and Yom Kippur. <laughs> Long Beach people, I'm sure you're very familiar with the Abitans. Don't be shocked if Dr. Mayer shows up at some point, that's for sure. Uh, continued Hatzlacha. Thank you. And thank you so much for being here today. Uh, a wonderful old friend, Dr. Mayor Abitan, with an important message for our community and really for everybody about being heart healthy. You're listening to a Tuesday morning broadcast of JM in the AM.